0: Good morning, <laughs> morning everyone. It's time to begin our services. Just want to welcome everyone here this morning. If you're visiting with us, welcome. We're glad to have you. And there are visitor forms, uh, little cards on the back of the pews. If you wouldn't mind to fill one of those out and put it in the uh, offering trays that comes around, we'd greatly appreciate that. Also, I'd like to invite everyone back this evening at 6 p.m. for our evening services. It's good to see so many of our high school and middle schoolers back with us, as well as the chaperones. They were in Tennessee last weekend at the Challenge Youth Conference. I spoke to several of them. It sounded like you guys had a a great weekend, very uplifting weekend. So glad to hear that, and uh, good to have you guys back. We missed you all. Also, it is uh, hard to believe that it's already March, So we're getting close to spring, moving forward, and um, it's a reminder that next Sunday the time changes. So just wanted to remind you to uh, change your clocks uh, before you go to bed on Saturday night. Move them up one hour forward, spring forward. So uh, if you don't do that, you may be a little late to church next Sunday morning. Also, if you did not get a chance to complete one of the membership forms that were passed out last Sunday morning... Uh, there's some men in the back that, um, that have some of those and uh, if you just want to raise your hand and, and let them know that you didn't get one or would like to complete one of those, uh, they'll be happy to, uh, to distribute those at this time, just let them know that. And once you complete those forms, you can turn those back in to um, any of the elders or there's the black boxes in the back that you could just uh, stuff them in those as well. Also just a reminder to pick up a Rome journal. Uh, we've got a lot of upcoming activities, our men's retreat is rapidly approaching, that'll be on the 17th and 18th of this month, as well as just a, uh, a complete list of all of those on the, uh, on the prayer list, uh, our shut-ins as well. Just always good to have that, uh, to keep each of those individuals in our daily prayers. I'd like to read from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You know, God is love, and I'm so thankful that we get the opportunity to serve a loving God. I'm thankful for the, the church here at Rome and for each one of you guys, and just the love that we have for one another, and also, the, and most importantly, the love that we have for our God. And as we approach and uh, begin our worship service together, let's uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time, Father, thanking you for being our God. We are so thankful, Father, for the many blessings that, that you give us each and every day, for the love that you have shown us in so many ways, Father, most of all through your son, Jesus, and for what he means to us, for the plan of salvation that you have rolled out the hope that we have through through that plan through jesus's death on the cross we thank you so much for that father i thank you for the church here at rome I thank you for the love that we have for one another i pray that that love will continue to grow and strengthen and i th- thank you father for the opportunity to be here this day to worship you father the health that you've blessed us with that allows us to be here we know that there's so many that are unable to be here that are struggling with various health issues. We pray for each of them, ask your blessings upon them, that you restore their health. And Father, just be with us this morning as we do worship you. Pray that our worship will be pleasing unto you, will be what you've laid out for us, Father, and that we'll follow that as you desire. And, and just be with, our, be with us uh, this morning, with our time here. and. <coughs> Pray that we make good use of it, Father, that we put all of our effort and focus upon you at this time, and that we give you the the attention, the worship that you deserve. Father, forgive us when we do fall short. It's through Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. Please stand for the first song.
1: First hymn this morning, number twenty-five. First hymn this morning, twenty-five. All things praise thee.
2: All
3: things praise thee, Lord Most High, ever.
1: next hymn this morning number 522 onward christian soldiers 522 we'll sing the first second and fourth verse and then brother gary leap will have our scripture reading and prayer
4: reading this morning comes from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Would you bow with me as we go to God in prayer? Father in heaven, we come to you again today just thanking you for this this beautiful day. Father, thanking you for the uh, the opportunity, for the privilege that, that we have to gather here and worship you this morning. Father, we're mindful of those who aren't able to be here and those who are shut in, those... Uh, who are sick and just not able to, and those, Father, who have chosen not to be here, we pray that uh, that you will bless them and help us, Father, to continue to be a part of their life and and to let them know that they are missed. Father, we thank you for this congregation and, and we thank you for the the good things that uh, that are being done and for those, Father, who make it an effort to uh, to help strengthen the church here at Rome. And, and Father, we are thankful that uh, you watched over our uh, ones that traveled to CYC last week, and we pray, Father, that uh, that they received a, uh, a, a huge blessing, Father, and come back with a desire to uh, serve you even more. Father, we pray for those who are, are being treated, uh, Father, for uh, uh, serious sicknesses father those battling cancer or just whatever it may be we ask a special blessing on them and and that uh, we pray that you'll be with uh jimmy wilgus and and jim haney and and jennifer baker and and others father that uh, that are mentioned and those who were mentioned in our class this morning that uh, that we ask special prayer for them father be with us this morning as uh as we worship you, as we hear another lesson from Chris, and we pray, Father, that you'll be with him and, and help him to uh, have a good remembrance of things that he has studied, and, and Father, help us to, to be good listeners and help us to be doers of your word. Father, we pray for our country. We pray that you will bless our country, that uh, we will look to you for guidance, and, and and be the kind of people that you would have us to be. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and all that he's done for us. In his name we pray, amen.
1: Next, hymn this morning, number 384, lead me to Calvary. 384. <clears throat> then Brother Simon will have the service. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse.
5: Friday night, we had a bit of a storm. We had some wind. As I was laying in bed, trying to go to sleep, to not much success because of the wind, I heard a tree fall. Looked out, and I saw it had fallen in the yard. I thought, well, that's something I get to do tomorrow. I wake up Saturday morning, and not one but two trees have fallen in the yard. Not the entire tree, but half of it had broken off and fell. At first I thought, well, maybe if I get the chainsaw and cut it loose, I can grab it and pull it to the woods. So I get the chainsaw and I cut it loose, it doesn't budge. I'm like, well, I can cut it up a little bit more. Cut it again, still didn't budge, and I thought, I'm not going to cut this thing into so many pieces. I'm gonna go get the tractor. So I got the tractor and I picked it all up in one piece and took it over to the woods and set it down. And as I was picking it up with the tractor, I wondered how heavy is that tree? And it got me to thinking of another tree when Jesus was bearing our sins, he carried a tree. He carried the cross. John 19.17 tells us that after he had been beating, been beaten and scourged and with a crown of thorns, he had to carry his own cross. How heavy was that tree? But we find in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke that he didn't carry it the entire way. He had to have help. Simon of Cyrene helped him carry that tree. How heavy was that tree? We know that Jesus' body at that point had undergone a lot of torture. That maybe even the strength which he normally would have had, he was not able to carry that tree. Although Simon of Cyrene was able to carry that tree, he didn't carry all of the tree. We know that on that tree, it wasn't just a physical tree, the tree that I dealt with yesterday. It was much more than that. In Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the unc- uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, He took it away, nailing it to the cross. How heavy was that tree? Our sins were on that cross. My sins were on that cross. Your sins were on that cross. We all have a cross of our own to bear as we just sang, May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee. How heavy is that tree? If you think how heavy your tree is, then combine it with my tree and John's tree and Everybody else's tree in here. How heavy is that tree? And every day as we sin, that tree gets a little heavier. How heavy is that tree? Christ took with us, took with him all of our sins on that tree. That was a burden that I can guarantee no machine ever built or ever will be built could lift. How heavy is that tree? At this time, we partake of two emblems that represent Jesus and him bearing the burden of that tree. We take of the bread that represents his body, which he gave on our behalf. We take the fruit of the vine, which represents his blood. If you would, let's go to God and ask the blessing on the bread. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your son, for his willingness to come to this earth, to live and suffer and die and bear that tree for us. And we thank you for his being risen again. Lord, we know that the burden that he bore, we could not bear. We thank you for his willingness to do so, his willingness to offer his body as a sacrifice for us. Lord, we pray that you'll bless this bread now as we partake of it, and help us to realize that it represents that body that Jesus offered on our behalf. We pray that you'll bless this bread and bless us as we partake of it. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Sacrificial blessing on the fruit of the vine. Father in heaven, Lord, again, we come before you thanking you for your son and his willingness to suffer on that cross for us. Lord, we thank you for the blood that he shed that washes away our sins, those sins that were nailed to the cross with him. Lord, we pray that you'll bless this fruit of the vine that represents that blood. And bless us as we partake of it, for it's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. While well, the men are still available and on the floor, we take this time to set aside our offering. Uh, we are given the example of the uh, church at Corinth where Paul instructed to lay by and store. And um, as this is a good time, we do that now. This is to further on the works of the church, both the regular bills that we have and spreading the gospel in the community and abroad where we can possibly spread it you would let's bow as we ask blessing on the offering father in heaven lord we thank you so much for all the many blessings you've given us lord we know that you've given us many many material blessings and we thank you for that we thank you for our jobs our means of livelihood our ways to support our families lord we thank you so much for all that, that you've given to us. Well, we know that all that we have is yours. And that at this time, we offer a portion of that to give back to you to help further the work of your kingdom. Well, we pray that you'll bless it and bless us as we give it. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
1: Children's Bible Hour for today will just be for the two- and three-year-olds, so everyone else will remain in here, just for the two- and three-year-olds for Children's Bible Hour. Would you please stand? We'll sing hymn number 585, Soldiers of Christ Arise. Soldiers of
3: Christ Arise, and put on earth go in the free with power.
1: invitation to him for this morning, number 777, whosoever heareth for the curse. Good morning. Uh, It's been about
6: a month since we were able to be in the book of Acts, but that's where we're at uh, for this series. So go ahead and be flipping in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We want to spend just a little bit of time catching us back up to where uh, where we are where we're at right now so in Acts chapter one we get to see Jesus ascend back into heaven He of course he's been resurrected by this point uh, he's walked around and shown himself to over 500 witnesses at one time he's walked around for 50 days uh, showing himself and talking with the disciples uh, and so they are locked in on his resurrection. they are devoted now what once, They were afraid and they ran in the Garden of Gethsemane. Those days are over. They're not running anymore. That's no longer an option because Jesus has been resurrected. And so you're devoted now. There's no turning back. There's no other options. He defeated death, so I follow him. And when someone doesn't like it and when they threaten me and when they say that they're going to kill me and even when... They follow through with those threats. It, it does not matter because he is resurrected and he has defeated death and he has promised that he will defeat death for me as well. And so I, I follow. It, it's what I do. It's, it's the only option left to me. It's the only reasonable option left to me. And so that's happened in Acts chapter 1. They've appointed Matthias uh, to take Judas' place to go out and to spread the gospel with the rest of the apostles. In Acts chapter two, uh, the day of Pentecost has come. Jesus has just ascended back into heaven, and the apostles are bestowed with the Holy Spirit. Their tongues of fire have appeared above their heads, and now they are speaking the gospel about Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. They're speaking that in tongues that they haven't studied. Uh, in languages that they haven't studied. And so there are people there on that day, a huge crowd that, uh, of Jewish people that have come from all over the Mediterranean world now to observe Passover when he died and Pentecost now that he's been ascended again. That's not why they come, but that's why they stay. 3,000 people are, are baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And that is the beginning of the church. Acts chapter 3 is is more of the same, more of the same beautiful, powerful story. People across the book of Acts will try to throw roadblocks and obstacles in the church's path. And you know what happens every single time? God either rolls over that obstacle like it wasn't even there, or He converts that obstacle as He will with ...Saul, who will become the Apostle Paul. And so while the Jewish people will try to throw obstacles in the church's path... ...as they do today in our text in Acts 3 and 4... ...they're going to try to throw some obstacles in the church's path... ...but that won't matter because the church is unstoppable. And and that's our word for Acts. As we go through this book this year... We're looking at that word because the church is, is unstoppable. You can't throw an obstacle in the church's path that is so large that God can't overcome it because this is His plan to save the world. He's given the gospel into our hands in jars of clay to spread that good news about Jesus' resurrection to a lost and dying world. And nobody and nothing can stand in the way. The church is unstoppable. And it doesn't matter what the Jewish people in the book of Acts do. Today they're going to throw two apostles in prison. They're going to beat them. They're going to threaten them. And they're going to tell them to stop speaking in Jesus' name. And you know what's going to happen? The church is going to grow. By the thousands, the church is going to grow because it's unstoppable. Later, Uh Other Jews uh, across the Mediterranean world are going to try to throw a wrench, throw an obstacle into the church's path, and it's not going to work. Saul is going to try to throw an obstacle in the church's path, and it's not going to work. Satan is going to do his best to try to throw obstacles in the church's path, and it's not going to work. The church is unstoppable because Jesus is behind it pushing. And so we come to Acts chapter 3 into this really amazing story. You get to meet a man who's been lame for 40 years. I turned 40 this year in a couple of months. This guy has been lame his entire life. I mean, can you can you imagine how his life must have changed, must have been so completely different than our lives. You meet him Three o'clock in the afternoon. Isn't that interesting? That Luke, who wrote Acts, records for us what time we get to meet this guy. And so, why, why, why does he record for us the time that he gets? We get to meet him. You need to advance my slide, guys. Something's going on with my clicker. So, at three p.m., something special is going on in the temple. He is sitting in front of the gate that's called Beautiful, and so. History hasn't yet found this gate. Archaeology hasn't been able to dig up this gate yet, but Josephus tells us about it. He's a Pharisee who's hanging around the first century toward the end of the first century, uh, and he tells us that this gate is about 75 feet tall. It's built out of Corinthian brass. It's, it's, to use Luke's term, beautiful. And so he's standing in front of, well, sitting in front of this gate, and he's there for the purpose of begging. He, He doesn't have a job. He doesn't He doesn't have the facilities, the the bodily functions to be able to do a job he can't stand. And so he's left resigned to this life of begging. And so he comes at 3 p.m. I don't know that the text is clear enough with us that he is there all day. It's possible that he's there all day. It's possible that he's simply come to the temple at this time for this reason. Everyone else is there. Everyone else is in the temple at this point too because this is the evening sacrifice. That's what happens at 3 p.m. And so all the Jews in Jerusalem come to the temple. They walk through one of the various gates and they come to the altar of burnt offering where every day, two times a day in the morning and here at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the high priest will offer a sacrifice for the atonement of their sins. Now why in the world are John and Peter there? Because they know... Something that the rest of the Jews aren't aware, aren't yet aware of. Jesus took all those sins like Saul si was talking about in the Lord's Supper. He absolved all those sins. Through baptism, those sins are, are now forgiven. But that's something that most of the Jews aren't yet aware of. But that's why Peter and John came today. That's why they're in the temple right now at 3 o'clock because they know that there's going to be a big crowd there and they want to make Every opportunity to share the gospel counts. That's something we need to hear too. We need to make every opportunity to share the gospel count. One of the things that makes the church in Acts unstoppable is their boldness. And you're going to see that thought and that word come up. Several times throughout Acts chapter 3 and 4. Peter and John are bold. The church is bold. And just picture it in your head for a second as you read through Acts chapter 3, the first several verses there. Here's a guy who has been lame for 40 years. He's sitting there and he's just he's wanting money. He's begging for money. He's got maybe a, a hat or some sort of container that he's, that he's holding out. For you to drop money, and as you as you walk past them, Peter and John aren't going to walk past them though. Like so many other people have done, they they just walk past this guy without acknowledging him. Peter and John are not going to do that. They they stop and they say, "Look at us." And the guy looks at them, right? And Peter says, "Listen, I don't, I don't have gold or silver, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise and walk." And you know what the guy does? Look in your text. He leaps up, and he starts. Shouting and praising God as he runs into the temple. Now, when everyone sees this, what's the text say? Um, look, look in uh, verse uh, 10, Acts chapter 3, verse 10. They were filled with wonder and amazement. Awe has, has struck these people because they recognized this guy, they, they knew who he was. Jerusalem's a small city. We talked about some of these things in our Bible class this morning. When you when you think of Jerusalem don't think of a massive city like New York or LA or something these people knew everybody it's much more like Proctorville than it would be like New York or LA or one of the big cities that we're familiar with Jerusalem is a small city in, in the ancient world would have been considered a larger city but for us it's we would think smaller city they they knew this guy well they knew him because he may be one of the most famous people in Jerusalem because He sits every day, at least two times a day, at this gate begging for alms. And so everybody that walks into the temple through this beautiful gate sees him. And probably some of them have helped him. And so they know that this is no act. They know that this guy really can't work. They see his friends carrying him to this gate every single day, maybe multiple times a day. And so when Peter says, rise up and walk, and this guy starts jumping around, shouting, what happens? The crowd turns and looks, don't they? Awe and wonder and amazement has, has struck the crowd. And Luke wants you to see it. He wants you to see it. And so it's almost like he, he runs out of, of words to be able to convey the, the wonder that these people were feeling uh, he keeps coming back to the, this idea oh, that they're, they're awestruck, they're, they're, they're spellbound, they're, they don't know what to say. It's amazing what, what has happened here. We need to take every opportunity and contrive opportunities to share the truth with people. Peter and John... We talked about in Bible class, we don't know whether they were led here by the Spirit, like Paul is, is um, told not to go into certain parts of, of the world and, and later on in the book of Acts. I don't know if, I don't know if they were led there or if, or if they thought of this. just don't see them very often because we're not looking for them we're doing other things and so we are needing to focus on these opportunities that God has given to us to share the truth with people contrive them figure it out but let's be bold as we share the truth with people so after technology's not working very well today, <laughs> advance my slide one more time. So after they they heal uh, the guy that has been lame for the last forty years, a crowd comes around uh, Peter and John, and they have once again this incredible opportunity to share the truth, to be bold with the gospel. When we're bold with the gospel, you know what happens? The gospel does its job. People are converted. People come. There's no power in us. The power's in Him. And so all we need to do is be conduits for that truth. The bolder we can be, the more radical we can be, the better. They've got people's attention now. And what are they going to do with it? You ever walked into a room and everybody looked at you and you thought... Right? You ever done that? Yeah, I think a lot of us do. When these guys attract attention, you know what they do? It's so interesting. Look, look at this. Check this out. Look down in, uh, in verse 11. Chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, verse 11. What happens when every eye in the room turns to these guys? While he clung to Peter, the, the man who's been While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomons. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? Why are you looking at us? As though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. Peter says, you're looking at the wrong source. We didn't do this. Jesus of Nazareth hath done this through us. Listen to how he phrases it in verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through, Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. His boldness, right? Every eye's looking at him. Peter says, you guys think that we're something special. We're nothing special. We didn't do this. Jesus did. He transforms and fixes broken things. And that's what he likes to do. And people need to hear that. Because if they hear that, you know what happens? They'll come. They'll come to him to be fixed. We need to tell them. And we need to do that in such a bold fashion. Look what happens next, though. In Acts chapter 4, the tide turns. The Jewish aristocracy, in fact, the high priest family the one who's supposed to be teaching righteousness the one who is supposed to be bringing people to Yahweh has actually turned his back on Yahweh and is fighting against him now but you know what happens when someone fights against Yahweh they lose every single time because the church is unstoppable and if we are bold the church today will be unstoppable just like it was in 20 just like it was in the first century The church today can be unstoppable. It should be, not just can be, it should be unstoppable. We need to be bold as we proclaim this gospel. We need to take every opportunity. We need to jump at these opportunities. We need to contrive these opportunities to teach the truth to a lost and dying world. In Acts chapter 4, you get to see what happens when you're bold. Our world doesn't like boldness, and there's going to be consequences for that. And those consequences, you're going to see as we go through Acts chapter 4, just increase. Because the more bold you are for Christ, the more you're going to be shouted down. The chief priest in Acts chapter 4, uh, excuse me, the high priest and his family invite the apostles into a prison stay for the night uh, after 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 the events of Acts chapter 3 after Peter's sermon you should go back through and read it it's powerful and it's boldness and beautiful but after that they they come in and they're Acts chapter 4 verse 1 says that they're greatly annoyed because of the teaching and because of the miracle and so it seems to me that I think they arrest not only Peter and John certainly they do that but It looks to me like they arrest the lame guy as well, who's no longer lame. I think they throw him in prison with Peter and John. Certainly he's there the next day as they're interrogating Peter and John. And so they tell the apostles to cool their heels in prison for a night. And then the next day they invite them into this chamber where they, the high priestly family, expects the disciples to be cowed. You spend a night in prison, in a Roman prison, and then you come before the most powerful, most religious, most elite family in Judaism, you're going to be cowed. Everyone else will be, but not these guys, not Peter and John. They've got the boldness of Jesus. And in fact, after, uh, after they, they are questioned in verse 7, It's the the high priest asks him, "By what power or by what name did you do this?" You're supposed to hear that question, I think, in such this snobby, um, elitist tone. This guy's powerful and he knows it. When he walks through the marketplace, the crowd splits. No one sits near this guy because they have such great respect for him and his entire family. And so when he asks this question, you're supposed to see this guy looking down on the entire room. He is the leader and everyone else needs to cow. That's not what happens. Then Peter, in verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people And elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing well before you. Boldness, right? His speech, and he's going to continue here, but his speech will set the high priest family back on their heels. And they don't know what to do with this. They're, 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 they're awed. And they're the ones who are cowed. They brought Peter and John into this room to cow them, to, to make sure that they knew their place. But the Holy Spirit was the one who ended up putting the high priest in his place. In verse 12, Peter says, And there's
2: salvation
6: in no one else. For there's no, under name, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, verse 13, you're going to want to underline verse 13 maybe. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. These guys, they haven't gone through any of the rabbinical training. These guys aren't teachers. These guys are fishermen you know what fishermen do when they're dragged in front of the high priest's family? They bow their heads and they say, yes, sir. But these guys aren't doing that. And Why? Why are these guys not? Why are they so bold? How dare they be so bold? But they've done a miracle that no one can contradict. What are you going to do with these guys? What, what should we think about them? Read the rest of verse 13. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It hit the high priest and his family that these guys, that Peter and John, were treating them the exact same way that Jesus treated them. They threw out their best at Jesus. They, they took the best scribes, the best Pharisees, the most knowledgeable guys out there, and they said, Go trip him up. Figure out a way to catch him in his words. And they try that time and time and time and time again, and you know what happens? Jesus actually ends up tripping them up and teaching them and converting some of them, right? That's exactly what's happening here. And it hits these guys, it hits the high priest family that Peter and John are treating them and are acting just the same way and are teaching with such authority and such boldness and such simplicity, just like Jesus did. It's almost like it hadn't hit them before that they were connected to this Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter's made it pretty clear now, hasn't he? Even when punishment was coming, it was an obvious fact that punishment was coming at this point. If Peter and John speak boldly before the high priest and tell them by what power this miracle was enacted, they will be punished. And they don't care. Jesus did this thing. I had Gary read Galatians 2.20 today for the scripture reading because at the point, of the resurrect, at the point that you see the resurrected Jesus, all bets are off. If he conquers death, he's worth following. In fact, if he conquered death, he's worth dying for. Peter and John get that. At the point that they saw Jesus resurrected, they, at the point that they believed that he was no longer dead, all bets are off and I'm willing to die for Him. When you come to that point in your life, boldness is the only reasonable thing to do. It's the only reasonable way to be, to be bold for him because everybody should know this Jesus. Everybody should come in contact with the saving power that he has. No one should be left out. And if that's going to be the case, it's going to take you and I being bold. And if we are, the church is unstoppable. Nobody can stand in its way. People can hurt members of the church, but the mission and the vision of the church cannot be stopped. So these guys drag Peter and John into the room expecting them to be cowed. And Peter and John aren't cowed. They, in fact, through the power of the Holy Spirit, cow the Pharisees, uh, the the, the high priest and his family. And in fact, when they are uh, put out of the room by the high priest and his family, there's this word that Luke uses uh, to talk about how the high priest and his family talk among themselves and it's chaos. There's one that's talking over here and they're talking over each other and they're excited and they're arguing and they're, they're trying to find a way to explain away this miracle. If they can explain away the miracle they can do away with the teaching. and They can't figure out how to explain away the miracle. And so they are forced to beat Peter and John and threaten them yet again and tell them, No longer should you talk about this Jesus of Nazareth, but you know what they do. This is the most incredible part to me. Look, look at the rest of uh, Acts chapter four, starting in verse twenty-three. They go back to the church. They find the church in Jerusalem. This this big body—it's probably not hard to find at this point. There's five thousand of them, and so they they find the church, and they say. They tell them what happened. And this is the church's response in verse 24. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, while the Gentiles rage and the, and the people's plot in vain, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, your city, in Jerusalem, the holy city, in this city, There were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Everybody is against him. Every entity, every powerful political figure you can think of is against Jesus in this place, in this city that ought to have been for him. They're all against him. And it didn't matter. They couldn't stop him. Now the church is saying, all of Yahweh's enemies, the Gentiles, all the peoples of Israel, Herod, Pontius Pilate, and he's got a lot of enemies, right? All of his enemies, there are enemies now. And they're going to bring the fight to us. They're going to try to hurt the church. They're going to try to stop Jesus' message from getting out. You know what the church does at that point? It's so interesting, right? So interesting what they do. They don't stop what they're doing and pray for their enemies to be less. They don't stop and pray for God to do away with their enemies. You know what they pray for? Boldness. So that when they're beat, so that when they're shouted down, so that when they're made to feel stupid for believing in Christ and His resurrection and His power to change people's lives... They don't buy it. They don't fall. They don't falter. They preach and teach even more. Boldness. We need it. Because if we have it, the church will be unstoppable. Jesus' mission and his message will reach the ends of the earth. We need boldness. We need to look for opportunities to share the truth with people. And when we find them, we need to ignore the consequences. Because there will be consequences. Our world is very much like first century uh, Jerusalem. In the the idea that no one really wants to hear about Christ. And if someone becomes super passionate about Jesus, you know what happens? Ah, They're derided. They're, They're pushed to the side. They're ostracized. Nope. The church needs to have that passion. We need that boldness. Because if we have it, we can do anything and everything through Him. He can do all things. He can reach a lost and dying world through us. That's His chosen vehicle. He's not doing it in any other way. It's only through us. And so we need to be bold as we proclaim His truth to people, and ignore the consequences, no matter what they are, because they will be there. So today, what are you struggling with? Are you struggling with boldness as you think about picking up Jesus' mantle and going out into a world that needs to hear his message of transformation? Maybe you need to be baptized this morning. Maybe you're still carrying the burden of sin. And you need that burden off of you. The only way that that happens is through the power of baptism. And at that point, he washes your sins away. And you're no no longer accountable for those things. And you've joined God's family and you've joined his mission. And now you're ready to be 100% devoted to him because you know that the resurrected Christ is alive today. He's active today. And he is unstoppable. If you have any need this morning, why won't you come as we stand and sing? <laughs> Daryl Hall comes forward this morning. Daryl's a member of our community. He's from Chesapeake. Um, He comes forward uh, wanting us to know that he wants to be uh, devoted in his service to Christ, and uh, so that that's awesome. We're so committed to be commended uh, for uh, for that devotion. Um, He's also dealing with some medical problems. He's having a procedure uh, done uh, tomorrow, uh, that a Tuesday that will uh, that will have him uh, laid up for the next couple of weeks. fairly serious. He's got a um, plaque in his blood that's causing um, blockages, and so they're going to uh, deal with that tomorrow. Uh, so he will, he's asking our prayers for that as well. I'm going to ask one of our shepherds, uh, Rick Keister, to come up and, and ask the prayer for, for Daryl. Let's
7: pray. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time giving you thanks and glory and honor and praise for all that you are and all that you mean to us and all that you have done for us. We consider it a, an extreme privilege to be able to come to you in prayer because you have made that possible through the sacrifice of your son. We pray, Father, that all that we do here in this life will be focused on not on this life, but on the next life, that we will live our lives here so that we can have that next life with you in heaven. We come before you uh, at this time, Father, praying on behalf of Daryl, that we are happy, we're thankful, we're encouraged when someone makes the decision to rededicate themselves to, to God, to serve better, than they have in the past to think more often about you and about your will. It's inspiring to us and should motivate us as well to do the same. We know that you forgive us when we ask for your forgiveness and we you strengthen us through your word as we attempt to follow that word in your service. We also pray, Father, uh, on Daryl's behalf that things will go well uh, with his surgery, that the outcome will be that he will be restored uh, to his health and we pray uh, for that outcome, Father. We have a number of individuals here undergoing physical and emotional uh, trials that we pray for on a regular basis, Father. And we also pray that Daryl and those and we will always look to you for strength to carry us through these times that occur in our physical lives so that we will not be distracted from our attention to our spiritual lives as well. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for the love that you showed in giving your son. We thank him for his love in coming to this earth to die for us. It's in His name we pray, Amen.
8: Good morning, church family. It's great to be back. We had a great weekend last weekend. Um, the place we stayed at was perfect. Uh, it wasn't on a it wasn't on a mountainside, so no one none of the kids got scared and. Uh, so it was great. There was 12,000 people there at CYC this year, uh, two sessions, so it was packed, and they had 48 baptisms uh, this year from CYC, so that's great, um, but uh, overall, great trip. Thank you all so much for the you know, the prayers. Thank you so much for donations, for the snacks. Uh, the kids really enjoyed them, but it was a great time. We had some great speakers. Their discussions was listening. Are we listening to God? And... Um, in the different ways we do listen. But uh, it's great to be back. Uh, thank you again for, for all the prayers. A couple of life group uh, announcements. Life group four, that's Jerry's life group, will be meeting this morning after services up front. Uh, so that's if you're in Jerry's life group, you will be meeting up front after services this morning. Also, life group two, that's Gary Leap's life group, will be meeting t- this evening after services Um this is a fellowship with one another have a planning meeting uh it should be a lot of fun please bring finger food for that and also drinks uh so that's this evening if you're in Gary's group also Rick Keister's life group life group 1 will be meeting next Sunday after services Sunday morning and barbecues on the menu so um so that sounds really good I may switch life groups um but uh so, barbecues on the menu for Life Group 1 next Sunday morning after services. Other announcements. Uh, next Sunday will be the high school and middle school devotional at the, at the Trevathan's house. Um, so, love to have y'all, uh, the middle, all the middle school and high school kids there. It's always a lot of fun. Um, we'll be having breakfast foods for that. So, Steelers like, yeah. He eats that. He eat breakfast foods? All right. Good. Um, also, uh this coming Friday and Saturday, all men, the men's retreat. This coming Friday and Saturday, um, so at House uh, Mill. At what time? Six o'clock. In two weeks, seventeenth and eighteenth. Okay, today's fifth. I, I'm lost. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it was a long weekend last weekend. I don't think I woke up until 1.30 that Monday. Uh, I'm lost, but uh, in two weeks, uh, men's retreat six thirty at House Mill. So looking for all, looking forward to that. Also, March nineteenth is the deacons' meeting, and we're still needing teachers for Bible hour uh, for the fifth for the fourth and fifth grade. If you can help out with Bible hour, uh, greatly appreciated. Also, we're still needing. a a two and three-year-old teacher for Wednesday if you can help with two-year-olds and three-year-olds we'd love uh, for you to volunteer for that Uh, please see Connie or Jeremy uh, if you can help out with that Uh, Remember, continue to keep Jim Wilgus in your prayers Uh, he has cancer uh, treatments last week Um, so keep him in your prayers continue to keep Terry Leap that's Gary Leap's brother Uh, keep him in your prayers as he continues with his cancer treatments Uh, Jennifer Baker uh, it's good to see her here with us this morning. Uh continue to keep her. She goes through her treatments as well, and Amber Spitzer. Um, uh, Jamie Estes is uh, back at uh, Vanderbilt Hospital. I announced this Wednesday. He's back at Vanderbilt Hospital. Um, he's been there uh, since Wednesday. Um, they, Mandy's there now, and uh, they are talking about putting a port in him that uh, with that will feed him for four weeks, so he will not eat solid foods for four weeks, and that's how he's gonna get his food. They're trying everything not to, to do uh, surgery on Jamie, so keep Jamie Estes in your prayers, and Mary continue to keep Daryl Hall in your prayers as well. That's all the announcements I have. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody again at six o'clock. Uh, we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer.
1: Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number three hundred thirty-six. Is it for me? <clears throat> we'll sing the first two verses, and then Brother Trevor Egner will have our prayer. <clears throat> Is it for me, be dear
3: Savior, that I glory and thy rest? For me, so me, and sinful, oh, shall I be
2: so blessed?
3: Oh. Say
8: pray. Father God, we thank you for the day and the blessings of it. Thank you for this time we've had to be here today, Lord, and to draw closer to you, to hear Chris, Chris's message. Lord, thank you so much for him and the work that he does here. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, we take what he says and apply it to our lives. And may we always be a light for this community. Uh, and may, all be, may we always be unstoppable, Lord. Lord, we pray just now that you be with all of those who were mentioned for uh, the sick list. Pray, Lord, that you be with them, and those that have upcoming tests and procedures. Pray that all goes well and they uh, would be healed to uh, a fullness again. Be with us older as we depart. Watch over us, guide us, and direct us and keep us safe until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.